Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group life pastor, Tim Smith. That video reminds us that throughout Scripture, again and again, we are told that God reveals himself to those who seek him. In fact, in Scripture, God seems to say that there is excitement and joy in searching for him. In Psalm, the 70th chapter, in the fourth verse, it says this, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. But we know that there's fun in seeking and finding, right? I mean, who in this room hasn't played at one time or another hide and seek? I mean, that's a game, right? That's all about the excitement of seeking and finding. If you're it, you've got the excitement of trying to, to search out whoever is hiding, and then you race back to home base or however you played that. If you're the person hiding, there's the anticipation of wondering, you know, how long is it going to take them to find me? But while there is pleasure in seeking, there's real joy in the finding, right? That's what the game is really all about, the finding. Because if you're hiding and you've got this incredible spot and you're just there and there and all of a sudden the minutes turn into hours, all of a sudden the fun begins to disappear. I mean, long before that, you're going to stick out a foot or rattle a bush because nobody wants to hide and never be found, Because while there's excitement in the seeking, there's pleasure in the finding. And the same is true with God. He says there is excitement. There is joy in seeking me, but the pleasure is in the finding. In fact, the apostle Paul, who found God in a most dramatic way, said it this way in the book of Acts. He said, God made the world and everything in it. He gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God did this. That is, he created the world and gave us everything. God did this so that people would seek him and find him. As we continue in our sermon series, Intentional Christmas, we want to talk today about an intentional pursuit, purposefully seeking after God. Now, I want to be real open and transparent with you to tell you the the purpose of this message. While it's for everyone, it is specifically for two groups of people. First of all, maybe you're here and spiritually you're kind of on the fence. You're just not real sure about this whole Jesus thing. And quite frankly, to be honest, you're not sure why being a part of church is worth it. Well, if that's you this morning, first of all, let us tell you how glad we are that you are here. But secondly, let me tell you that our prayer has been for this message, that at least by the end of it, you would be willing to say, I need to find out if this Jesus stuff is true, because it's too important to be passe about it. In fact, C.S. Lewis once wrote this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And that is so true. So this message, hopefully, will at least get you to say, you know what, I want to seriously seek out the truth of Jesus. But here's a second group. Maybe you're a believer, but I want to challenge you today by asking you this question. 
How authentic and honest and personal is your faith? Do I believe because of my parents? Do I believe maybe because it's expected of me? Or is my faith really mine? And that brings us really to the sentence, a sermon in a sentence that simply says this, you will find God when you seek him with all of your heart. Now, if you think that's original with me, you'd be wrong <laughs> because that's simply a passage of scripture. It comes out of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, the 13th verse, where God himself says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But the question this morning is, how do we go about that? Well, I want us to look at three snapshots from that first Christmas. Three groups of people who were intentional seekers. Now, they all did it a little differently, but they all found out that this Jeremiah principle is true. And I believe with all my heart that if you will seek God the way they did, that you will have the greatest chance, like our video said, of finding love, peace, joy, and hope because you will find him. Now, the first snapshot is from Matthew, the second chapter. It's the wise men or the magi. These are guys who are great examples of those who seek passionately. Their story is one of intentionally putting in the time and effort into searching for Jesus. Now, we don't know a whole lot about these men. Matthew 2 calls them magi. I'm sure you've already can hear the word where we get magician, but most scholars don't see them as sleight of hand entertainers, but rather as wise scholars, possibly even scientists, especially in the field of astrology. But while we may not know exactly who these men were, we can figure out what they studied. How do we know that? Well, because when they finally get to Jerusalem, this is what they say to King Herod. It says, we saw his star when it rose. Now, how in the world would they even know how to ask about his star? Well, many scholars think that they had probably been from a land that had previously held Jewish people, like, say, Daniel in Babylon, and so they would have had access to the writings of the Old Testament, especially to the prophets, maybe, where they could glean this kind of information. In fact, there is a passage in Scripture referring to the Messiah as the coming one of God in Numbers 24, 17 that puts together him and the star. And this is what may, started, may have started their search. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. So they are passionate about finding this king. This one who would come out of Jacob, out of Israel. So passionate, in fact, they were willing to leave family and friends and travel a great distance. But passion wasn't enough. The Magi didn't have all of the answers, so they had to be willing to seek. In fact, some say these are the only men who were traveling that actually stop and ask for directions. I think a woman probably said that, but hey... <clears throat> While they don't have all the answers, at least they are willing to diligently look to find answers. And I would say to you, when it comes to seeking, here's what I would suggest. Do what they did. Be passionate about seeking God. In fact, I would encourage you to use the same two sources that these wise men of old did. Here's the first one. Use the Bible. 
I agree with scholars who think it would have been impossible for the Magi not to have had some Old Testament writings with them to study. It's what ignited their passion. How else would they know about the appearance of the star? How could they discover the when of Jesus' birth and arrive in Jerusalem at just the right time? And because they are willing to seek, when they arrive in Jerusalem, they find priests who also reveal to them Scripture and give them the where that Jesus is to be born. So the first source is to go to the Bible. Too many times people dismiss the Bible as just a quote-unquote another religious book. But did you know that the Bible is not like any other religious book? In fact, not like any other book. Did you know, for example, we have more manuscripts to give credibility to the Bible than any other ancient writing? More than Caesar's Gallic Wars or Homer's The Iliad and the Odyssey documents we accept without question? And did you know even with religious books there are more manuscripts than with the Quran or the Book of Mormon? Did you realize that the Bible was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years on three different continents, and yet there is a unity through all the Bible that cannot be questioned? (laughs) Try to get 40 different writers in the same room on the same day and come up with that, let alone (laughs) over 1,500 years and on three different continents. And no other religious book tells the unified story of God coming down to man to redeem or to save him. All the other religious books are about man doing things to work themselves up to something better. But the Bible is about God coming down to redeem man. Have you read this book? I know, you might read, you say, I I can't understand it. Well, what parts did you read? If you start in Leviticus, I, I might be able to agree with you in that. But don't start there. Start, for example, in the book of John. See what it says about how Jesus lived his life. Or start in the book of James. See what it says about how to practically live your life. Here's a second source that they use, and I think one that we can use too, and that's creation. I believe that the wise men would have agreed with the psalmist in Psalm 19, 1-4. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. You see, when they looked at the heavens, to the stars, they saw the proclamation of God. They heard his voice. They saw the work of his hands. And I believe that creation can still be a source of seeking God. In fact, Romans 1 tells us it's a clear source. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. I would challenge you. Ask yourself this question. Do I really believe when I look at all the intricacies of creation from plants and photosynthesis to animals or the complexity of our own bodies, for example, our our eye, are you ready to say that all of that began by mere chance? Are you aware that not all scientists accept evolution as a logical creation theory? In fact, let me give you a website. I found it after I did these notes, so let me just say it to you, and you can write it down if you want. It's called descentfromdarwin.org. 
Descent, D-I-S-S-E-N-T, from Darwin. Descent from Darwin, all one word, .org. There you will find 23 pages of scientists who have signed their name to this document saying that in their opinion, evolution is not a stable environment or reason for creation. Are you familiar with intelligent design? That's something that says, you know what? Everything we see that has a design in it in this world has a designer behind it. So how in the world can all the intricacies of, of the world and of the earth not have an intelligent designer? Do you understand that evolution is just as much a belief system as Christianity? I mean, after all, let's face it, no matter what you believe, whether it's the account of God's creation in Genesis or, or whether it's some spontaneous uh, Big Bang start or chance or theory of evolution, we've got to all admit when you tear it all down, it's what we believe happened. Why? Well, because none of us in this room were there to witness how it exactly actually happened. So it takes some belief. And I believe the big question is, what do you believe and why do you believe it? You see, the Magi apparently spent months, if not years, of study and travel and hardship and even threat in order to discover Jesus. How much effort have you given? How much passion have you expended? If you wonder about this Jesus, my question to you is have you sought him and i got to say, I've talked to dozens, maybe even hundreds, literally, of seekers who, when it comes right down to it, must admit that their lack of faith is not because they have sought passionately, but rather because they've given in culturally. That is, their lack of belief or faith is based on assumptions, on an acceptance of culture, not an honest, passionate search. Please, please, don't let that be and then we find a second snapshot in Luke 2 in a field of sheep. One night when everything is routine and ordinary, there are shepherds that are working the night shift and they get the shock of their lives. All of a sudden the sky is lit up like a football field and an angel exclaims to them, I bring good news of great joy. And what is the good news? Well, verse 11 tells us, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and laying in a manger. And then there's this huge heavenly celebration and poof, the angels are gone. And verse 15 says this. When the angels had left them, talking about the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's send somebody to see if that's true. No, it's not what it says. They said, well, hey, listen, when we have an opportunity, let's go check that out. That sounds cool. But in the meantime, let's get these sheep settled down. The angels have just driven them bananas. <laughs> Not what they said at all. It says that when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, let us go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So here's the second thing we need to do in seeking. Like the shepherds, we must investigate personally. The shepherds did, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby just as the angel had told them. Now, from time to time, I hear people say, I don't know whether this Christianity stuff is all that it's cracked up to be. I mean, there's so much confusion and so much division. I don't, I don't know whether this Jesus is just a really good teacher or, or something more. And what I often find is they make those kind of statements, but 
Quite honestly, they don't go to church any more than maybe Christmas or Easter. They never really study the Bible. They don't investigate the facts. They just go through and, and just kind of do everything place and, and, and think what they think. They go through life wondering. But Romans 10, 17 says, this is how faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the what? From the word of God. In other words, you have got to get into the word itself, yourself. Now listen, I know that what I'm about to say may be putting my job in jeopardy, but listen, if all you do is come on Sunday and listen to us, you at best have a secondhand faith. You have got to get into this yourself. I would encourage you today, if you want real meaning and real fulfillment in your walk with Jesus, then investigate him yourself. In fact, following the footsteps as such men as the late C.S. Lewis, an intellectual and Oxford graduate. He was an atheist, and he set out to disprove Christianity. And in the end, he became one of the most prolific writers and greatest supporters of Jesus Christ in modern history. Or find out about Lee Strobel, who was an atheist and a successful journalist. Learn how his wife became a Christian, and he spent the next two years trying to rescue her out of what he thought was a cult in the end, after two years of investigation, he said, I have discovered that it would take me more faith to remain an atheist than it would to believe in Jesus. Or look into Josh McDowell, a pre-law student, an intellectual. He believed Christianity was for weaklings and for shallow thinkers. And so he spent the next two years, after being challenged by somebody to actually investigate the claims, looking into Jesus. He even dropped out of school and took his investigation to the Middle East and to, the Europe, to Europe. And in the end, he didn't find a religion. He found a living relationship with Jesus Christ. But it was all because they investigated personally. In fact, this is one of the reasons I love the Gospel of Luke so much. It doesn't begin with in the beginning or once upon a time. No, it begins with a personal investigation by a physician, Dr. Luke. He writes, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitnesses, catch that, the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an account, an accurate account for you so you can be certain of the truth. You say you don't believe? Based on what? Do what Luke did. Do what some of these men we just mentioned did. Investigate it personally. You say, well, I'm a believer, but I'm not so serious about it. Well, really? Is your faith your parents' faith? Your preacher's faith? Listen, listen, take a cue from the shepherds. They decided we must. We must check this out. We must investigate personally. And I believe that if you do, you will find, like the shepherds, that the investigation leads to verification, which can subsequently lead to personal conviction. But you've got to make a decision that I'm going to investigate this personally. Now, the third snapshot is of a couple of senior citizens. Simeon is the man's name. Anna is the woman's name. And they give us an example that even though you seek passionately, even though you investigate personally, 
Even though you seek faithfully, you must sometimes also wait patiently. Listen, seeking God is not always an immediate reveal. It wasn't for the wise men who may have spent years traveling. It wasn't for the shepherds who at least had to walk a ways to get to Bethlehem. And it certainly wasn't for these two. Simeon and Anna experienced a long drought in their dream to be a special part of God's work. Simeon and Anna had come to the temple for years. Luke tells us, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. When the parents, talking about Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to the temple to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him, took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. <laughs> and Anna, well, Luke 2.37 tells us that Anna, who is 84, never left the temple. Now, Simeon, when he says, dismiss your servant in peace, he's saying, I can die now in peace, which is why we think he's aged. <laughs> but Anna, she's identified as 84 years old, and she never left the temple. They both had hoped to see God's son, and they both saw their dream come true as they, made, they met Joseph and Mary and Jesus. But listen, it took a long time <laughs> for that to happen. <laughs> How patiently they waited. Someone once said, Patience is actively believing God's promise. Sometimes we think of patience as being passive, but patience is actively seeking God's promise. You see, sometimes we seek passionately and personally, or we go through all kinds of trials, or there's times when we don't think God hears us, or when we don't think he's moving like he should. That's when we need to take a cue from these two senior saints. They never gave up. They always waited faithfully. They wanted to leave a faith legacy. And I got to tell you, the older I get, the more I too want to leave a faith legacy. Not my possessions legacy, not my popularity legacy, not even my character legacy, but my legacy of faith. Because you see, I believe that one of the things that's going to last is for others to see in us practical and patient right living. And I want more than anything for my children and for my grandchildren and those that are in the sphere of my influence to know that I continued to seek, I continued to learn, I continued to never give in to the enemy, that I never gave up. That's the legacy I want to leave. And to tell you the truth, I can't think of a better inscription on my tombstone than what Simeon said so long ago when he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. I can now be dismissed in peace. That peace that only the prince of peace can bring. But I think that means that you need to give your life to seeking passionately, investigating personally, and often waiting patiently for God to do his work in us and through us. Listen, Seeking has never been or will it ever be a quick fix. But it can bring something that nothing else can provide. The star of wonder 
guided the Magi across the miles, but it was something else that fueled their journey. The shepherds walked to Bethlehem, but it was something else that moved them from the fields to the manger. It was the same thing that compelled Anna to remain in the temple in Jerusalem day after day, year after year. It was the same thing that quickened Simeon's heart when he encountered Mary and Joseph and her infant son at the temple. It was the thrill of hope. Oh, you see, up to now, hope in human history had kind of laid dormant, like a still pond with only occasional ripples stirring its surface. But the birth of Jesus was like a boulder dropped into the middle of that pond. Those in the vicinity, the shepherds, the faithful servants of God like Anna and Simeon, and then the Magi who were blessed to witness his arrival, they were drenched in hope. Oh, they didn't fully understand all the implications of his birth, but they recognized that something momentous had occurred. They realized that something beyond them had happened. What I believe they were seeing was the hope of a Savior. Yeah, a Savior. Do you remember what the angels told the shepherds? They said, today, in the town of David, is born to you a what? A Savior. Someone who would save us. Do you remember what the angel told Joseph even before Jesus was born? He said, you are to give him the name Jesus. That's the name Yeshua. It means salvation. He's saying, you're to name him Jesus because he's Savior. He's going to save the people from their sins. You see, only Jesus can do that. That's the reason that he came. In fact, it's interesting to me to see during this season that that saying that says Jesus is the reason for the season, that's a good statement, but it doesn't tell the whole story. You know who's the real reason for the season? You are. You are. You are. Everyone in this room, I am, because I'm a sinner and I needed a Savior. And it's only Jesus in his perfection that could be the one to do that. You know who's the real season, reason for the season? <laughs> I am. Would you say that with me? Let's say it together. I am the reason for this season. I am the reason for the season. Let's say it again slower, softly. I am the reason for the season. You see, it's because Jesus came for me. <laughs> It's because Jesus came for you. That's what makes him the reason for the season. And that's what makes it critical to seek passionately, to investigate personally and wait patiently. And I believe if you'll do that, that you will find Jesus has been waiting all this time just for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing the wise men seek passionately for seeing the shepherds investigate personally, for seeing Anna and Simeon wait patiently, help us to do that too. But Lord, I pray especially for that one in the sound of my voice this morning that may be wondering about you and this, this whole Jesus and church thing, that, that they will at least come to grips that since it is so essential that it can't be moderately important because if it's true, it's of infinite importance that they will at least make a decision to seek passionately, investigate personally, and wait patiently. And help those of us, Lord, who are believers to make sure that we're not just 
riding on somebody else's coattails in terms of our faith, but to make it real for us. That's our prayer, Lord, for each and every person. May we understand that the reason for the season is me, because that's why you came, to save us from our sin. And we praise you and thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing that song again. It came upon a midnight clear. I love the chorus. Wrote it down. It says, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God evermore. Good news, great joy for all. Melody or hope breaks through the silence. Christ, the Savior, is born because Jesus is the love song of God. I'll listen. If you're sitting here and wondering and saying, you know what, I've I got to get serious about this and ask some questions, please understand, we'll talk to you during the song. We'll talk to you after we're done with the service. We'll talk to you anytime. <laughs> Just let us know because we would consider it an honor to talk to you. We're not going to judge you. We're not even going to try to convince you. All we can do is help you understand and let you seek for him. And maybe you've got somebody in your family or a friend that you'd like to pray for because you know they're on the fence, whatever need you might have. Let's celebrate together that Jesus is our love song from God. Would you stand and let's sing, come if you need to. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at